welcome back to another episode of the Black Girl Fit Files. It is your girl Delijah coming in. Happy Thursday, everybody. How is your week going? Mine is going pretty well, I'm not going to lie. I do know that I'm ready for this weather to kick rocks, kick all the rocks. So I'm, I'm up here in New York City and it has been raining, you guys, so much every day it's cold it's been windy it's depressing seasonal depression is coming back around why why do we have seasonal depression in may i don't know luckily thank god i'm leaving next week to go to bermuda yes i'm very excited the black girls pole retreat is taking off uh in bermuda next week so fun episode i will be having some of the instructors and the ambassadors on next week's show i'll get into that a little later let's see hmm game of thrones so daenerys completely lost her mind on this last episode i do spoiler alerts sorry not sorry it's thursday you had a week you know she just burnt down all of king's landing like i don't understand where her mind is and she You know, she showed her true color. She is definitely the Mad Queen turning into her daddy. And um, I I don't know what's going to happen for this last episode. It is the last episode of the entire series of Game of Thrones. I feel like I'm going to be a little depressed about it. But speaking of depression, see how I tied this in? This uh, this episode is really, really great. I'm excited because I have a dear friend of mine on the show, and it is Dr. Lena Green. Lena has been a friend of mine for mm, eight, seven years, I think I want to say, six, seven years. Uh, and Lena is a psychotherapist. She's a clinical social worker. She is a professor here in New York City at NYU. She is a fatherhood practitioner. I'll let her explain what that is. She's also a pregnant parent. Uh, she works with the pregnant parenting population, and she is a clinical supervisor. She just is doing all of the things out here, and we are going to talk a little bit about mental health today. And I feel like this um, episode is super important because this is Mental Health Awareness Month, and mental health awareness has been observed in the United States, I didn't know this, uh, since 1949, and it came about to just raise awareness about the importance of mental health and stop the stigmas that are associated with mental health and mental illnesses, and I feel like this is such a super important topic to talk about uh, a lot for people of color and women of color, and we're going to dive into that and just the different types of mental health because You know, there's all these different types of mental illness from an eating disorder to personality disorder. You have substance abuse disorders. So we're diving in. And uh, what up, Lena? Hi, how are you? Hey, Delijah. I'm so excited to be with you on this episode. I am too. Lena and I actually, we met at... The greatest church in New York City, First (laughs) Corinthian Baptist Church, also known as FCBC. Mm -hmm. And we've just been kicking it ever since. So how have you been? Like, what's going on? You're you're doing you're like a doctor. Let's just talk about that. Because when I met her that that she was not. But now she's Dr. Lena Green. Yes. So. Yes. So when we met, I was doing about half the things you listed. Um, on there. So I am a clinical social worker. So I've been doing that for the past, I want to say almost 18 years. Wow. The fatherhood practitioner piece, I've been doing at least for the past 10. Wow. Um, so I've been a social worker, a licensed social worker since 2001. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years ago, I decided that, um, I wanted to give more 
treatment options to working with men and fathers of color. Yes. Um, and so that's what Fatherhood Practitioner is. It is working with men of color who are fathers um, on a range of issues, specifically with an emphasis on mental health. Um, it also focuses on family connection. Mm. Uh, a lot of fathers are disengaged or disconnected from their families for a number of reasons. Mm. So whether that has to do with the demise of a romantic relationship or uh, child support issues or incarceration. And so one of the things that's important to me is making sure that the family is whole. Yes. Um, and so thinking about how I could do that and how I could make an impact. And so fatherhood was it. And I like to say that fatherhood chose me. Yes. That feels good when that happens too, it right? Does. And you, you know you're calling and you're like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Definitely. Right, right, right in here. Yes. So why social work? Why did you decide? And also why the doctoral program? Mm-hmm. So, funny story about why social work. Um, I actually thought I was going to be a psychologist huh. um, at one point. And I was out of work, and I thought the best way to get some more practical and clinical experience, this was pre-masters, I decided I was going to volunteer. So I volunteered here right in Harlem um, at the Upper Manhattan Mental Health Center, which is, I think it's up on 145th and uh, Amsterdam okay. Avenue. So I went over, I said, you know, this is what I'm interested in, mental health, and could I possibly have some community service hours here and just volunteer? Wow. So they said, yes, that's great. We'd love to have you. Come on over. And prior to that, I was working at a foster care agency. And so I had some background in working in, you know, foster kids, mm-hmm. um, doing home finding and home visiting, which is basically you basically go into the home and check to see if the home is suitable for a child placement. Right. And make sure that it's safe. And there's food and that they're loving. And not bugs. <laughs> not <laughs> well, rodents. Right. Well, I would like to say yes and co-sign that completely. But, mm-hmm. you know, there are other safety concerns okay. um, that are more important. Gotcha. Um, especially when we're thinking about, you know, placing children with families. Right. Um, which is called kinship care. So those are some of the things that I was doing early on. And so I gave my resume to the good folks at the Upper Manhattan Mental Health Center. And they said, we'd love to have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started volunte- volunteering twice a week. And got to know the staff really well. You know, come to find out, there was only one psychologist and one psychiatrist on staff. Wow. And all of these other amazing clinicians that were there were social workers. And I had no idea. Um, I actually thought they were all psychologists. (laughs) So we were at a a staff meeting. um, And at the time, I was co-leading a group for young adolescent boys with um, oppositional defiant disorder. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're sort of talking about our cases and doing a case conference when you share some of the challenges of right. the day in your group and your, your, your you know, whatever challenges come up. And uh, that's when I learned right in that meeting that everyone, all of the clinicians there were social workers. Got you. So, and that's I, where, usually where you like start, kind of. Kind of, sort that's of. That's the road that, you know, social work turned. Psychotherapist turned therapist turned... Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, something like that, right? Okay. Um, and so just thinking a little bit more about why social work. Um, so that was sort of my first introduction of to in, into uh, being a social worker um, and thinking about all the other places and spaces that I wanted to be able to touch. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that social work was incredibly flexible. Okay. Um, so not only were you able to do therapy or psychotherapy or have a private practice at some point, you were also able to work with, you know, various populations, but also you could be an administration, you could teach, you could do community organizing. Got it. Um, so there were just so many different things that you could do with the degree. Mm-hmm. And so that was also exciting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. You know, I, I have a therapist. 
people have therapists now. It's it's a thing now to have a therapist, and I feel like our generation is really starting to tackle mental health and normalize mental health. So why, you know, is everyone at risk for mental illness or why do you think now is the time that so many people have just been like, I need a therapist. I need to to, to tackle this. Yeah. So let's just back up just a little bit, right? Because I like to think about, you know, sort of population-wide, right? So I worked quite a few years for the Department of Health, and so Mm -hmm. we always think scalable. We we always think public health, right? Right. So mental health is is that, just that. It is a public health issue. Yes. And so according to the 2014 census, excuse me, we found that 13% of the U.S. population identifies as Black or African American. Mm -hmm. So that's about 6.8 million people in America. Right. And of those 6.8 million people, 16% of those folks had a diagnosable mental illness. Wow. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And so diagnosable, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they received a diagnosis. Right. Right. So it's important for us to really get the word out about the fact that people don't have to suffer from mental illness. They don't have to suffer in silence and that there are many, many treatment options available for folks to get support and, and to get help. Right. Um, so, yeah. Okay, got you. And and I think <clears throat> that the normalizing it, like how would you say, what would you say to someone that is like, you know, put, gives you pushback on, on normalizing it and really seeing about their mental health? Because we see about, we go to the gym, we, you know, we, we eat the things, but when it comes to this, it's so almost still taboo, especially for African-Americans to really dive into their mental health. What would you say to someone that is that gives you pushback on it? Yeah, I would say just the same way that we um, are intentional about taking care of ourselves in other ways. So mm-hmm. whether it's physical, you know, doing yoga or meditation um, or dancing, mm-hmm. if you take, you know, medication for your diabetes, whatever that is, your mental health is just as important. Yes. Right. Um, and so if we think about the body in its totality, if one part is not functioning well, that means the entire body is not functioning right. well. And we want to see you be well. We want to see you live well. And being, you know, suffering is not a normal thing. It's right? not. And I think that sometimes people minimize their suffering or think that yes. suffering is okay. Yes. God, um, they do. But it's not. Yeah. Right? And so a lot of times for us, uh, we tend to talk about the medical issues that come up for us. Or, you know, they're doing other ways of coping, right? So for many folks that I know, um, they share with me that they smoke marijuana every right. day, right? To deal with their anxiety and right. those kinds of things, right? And not judging that because that's, some, that's how they cope. That's how they manage. Right. But wanting to help people understand that there are other ways to manage those things. Yes. Um, not just one way. Right. And right. I, I love you because Lena... About a year ago, so a, a year ago, I will be so open and honest, is when I decided to get a therapist, you know, just to kind of see where I was. I, I had just finished school and I was I was feeling kind of down and, you know, I had been going through a lot of things just emotionally, physically, and I was like, I think it's the time is now. And I reached out to you and I was like, Lena, I think it's time for me to find a therapist. And she provided me with this beautiful list, this long list of therapists of color in the in the the area. And I kind of went through and I looked for them and I, I, I ended up finding a great one and she has been so helpful. And and it's funny because and I was sharing with it and I was sharing this with you earlier is when I I waited about six months mm-hmm. before I even told my mom that I was in therapy and before I even told my dad yeah. that I was in it. And 
and there's still something about that that I don't know that I was like, oh, I don't want to tell my parents, uh, because they're going to think like, well, why? Well, first of all, they were like, well, why are you spending money on that? Mm-hmm. You know, so that was the first thing. And it's like, well, it's the same way that you would spend money to eat right, it, mm-hmm. you know? And then the second thing was, well, did did we mess you up that bad that you need mm-hmm. therapist? And it's like, it's not necessarily that you messed me up because mm-hmm. you, you raised a great child. You guys are great parents. But it's just, there's... In every household, you are a product of that household. So it's like there are certain things that I that I cope with differently or that I can learn to, to do differently. And it kind of turned into an argument. I'm not going to lie. It turned mm-hmm. into a little bit of an argument mm-hmm. with my mom. And, um, you know, she kind of, like, pulled it back on herself. Well, but did I do this wrong? And it's like, no, this, this isn't about you. Right. This is really about my mental health. <laughs> I guess it's just to say, you know, you don't have to be afraid to share this with, with people. Right. Like, so you bring up a great point, right? I think that a lot of times, you know, again, there's still a lot of stigma attached to mental health. Yes. Right? That something is wrong, that you're crazy. Right. Um, that, you know, when we think about historical adversity such as slavery, right? Like our ancestors went through slavery and they turned out just fine or they were able to manage and cope. Right? They didn't. And it's like, but they didn't, <laughs> right? right? They did not. Because they died. They suffered in many, many ways. They had, you know, post-traumatic stress. That carried on through generations. That absolutely carried on yes. through generations, right? And people don't even know that it can sort of change your gene structure, right? right? Exactly. We don't even talk about those kinds of things. Um, but then there are just these cultural uh, attitudes that we continue to have about mental health. And sometimes, you know, even with parents sort of personalizing, you know, that they did something wrong. Right. Right. And, right. and again, that seeking support and asking for support means that you're weak and it's not. Right. Um, that's not what that means. Um, and it also means that, you know, life happens. There are disappointments. Yes. Um, there are sadness at times. You know, we go up and down. But when those ups and downs go on for long or prolonged periods of time, right, then we need a little bit more support. Right. And getting that more support can be, you know, gotten through a, a professional. Yeah. You know, things that you can't talk to your parents about or your friends about. And I tell people all the time, it's a place that you can go just for yourself. Like someone's going to literally listen to you. Yes. And be a sounding board for you for yes. 45 minutes to an hour. Yes. Right? And it is marvelous. And and the, the different things that I have seen with myself, just discovering things about me that I was like, oh, snaps. I d- oh, oh. You know, and I'll be like sitting there and I'll be like, we need to put a pen in that and we need to like dive a little deeper in this mm-hmm. or like I'm not ready for that. So it's it's been, it's great to be like, I know that I see it. I'm at the door. I don't want to open the door just yet. Mm-hmm. But... I'm glad that I got to the door because I probably wouldn't have even known that that was there had I not walked into the space to to allow myself to find that. And it's it's funny too because I think my mom called my gen- our generation like the couch generation. Mm-hmm. She's like, y'all just need to be on the couch. You just need to tell somebody about your problems. And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, why not? Because why not? Because right. why not? And I think that African-Americans, this is like still kind of new to us. People, other other people have been doing this for yeah. years, for generations, yeah. and and now we're just kind of like catching up to it. So yeah. so yeah. And we've been taught right to, to deal with it in other ways. Right. right. We've been taught to keep it to ourselves. Yes. We've, been, we've been taught that we don't share the family business. Right. Right. With other people. Right. And therapists are totally considered outsiders. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we've ta- we've been taught to pray about it. Right. Right. Um, take it to God in prayer. To you know, 
Yes. Leave it on the altar. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. Um, But I like to tell people, and pray with your feet and your hands. And walk that self. Right? (laughs) Yes. Um, Pick up that phone and call a therapist. You know, walk yourself into that therapist's office. And also, right, we want to not forget that for good reason, right? So historically, we haven't been treated very well Mm -hmm. at the hands of medical professionals, right? right? Um, So when we think about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment... Um, or we think about the microaggressions that we face when we visit a doctor. We think about the, you know, the fact that like black women are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth. Right. right? Because so we have all these, all this evidence that tells us. And things against us. Right. And things against us that tell us that it's a, that seeking, you know, medical or professional help is not safe for us. And right. for many times it hasn't been. Right. Um, and for many years it hasn't been. And so I think that's one of the important reasons for me um, as a black mental health clinician to not only be connected to other clinicians of color, right. but to share that out loud and to really, you know, be in spaces like this where I can share and tell my story yes, um, and, and, and provide support to, to folks as yes. much as possible. So as a black woman in this field, what are the obstacles that you have faced and how has it affected you? Yeah, I would say quite a few obstacles at work, mm-hmm. experiencing a lot of microaggressions at work. Mm. Um, so just to share one you know, small, quick story, coming, I started a, a new position and when I got there, you know, I introduced myself as, you know, Dr. Green. You better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so I would notice that there would be, you know, for folks of color, they were excited and happy to, right. to call me Dr. Green. Yes. But for other folks in the room, um, who were not so mel- melanated. Um, <laughs> nice they, way to put it. <laughs> they would have difficulty right. saying that or would call me by my first name, particularly without permission, right? Not even Mrs. Gr- not no. even Miss Green, just no. Lena. Just Lena, right? Oh, wow. And so to not respect the title, because if I had been a, a, a doctor who was white, right. they wouldn't have done that. Wow. Um, right? Or being in the classroom, right? right? There are, you know, students challenge you in particular ways because you're a professor of color. Wow. Or other microaggressions, like leaving you off emails or, wow. Um, you know, not checking with you and doing things first. Um, so, you know, there, there are many challenges. There's still that. It's still, it still happens, of course. Definitely yeah. still happens. Yes. Yeah. And then I would also say, too, you know, you know, when folks find out that I am the doctor, you know, sort of not being in sort of disbelief, you know. <laughs> They're like, wait, it's going to be you? It's a brown woman on the other end, right? You're going to be the only person here? Oh, yeah. wait a second. Okay, right. okay. Um, and I would say that happens for many of us across the boards. You of know, course. even in the medical field, you know, you come in. And um, they're like, I'm looking for the doctor, but the person is standing in front of you with a white coat that says doctor such and such. Right. But you want to pretend like you think that they're the maid, right? Right. You see me. So they're right. You're choosing. Right. Choosing not, not to, to, see to, to see to see folks. To sit in your and privilege in, and not see yeah. me. Yeah. And intentionally be disrespectful and dismissive. Damn. Right. And then for our folks, I would say, because I, I want to be clear that, you know, we also do that to one another mm-hmm. to think that perhaps the service may not be as good. Mm. Right? As if we didn't work for our credentials as much as anyone else. As yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. Well, so. that's per- this takes us right into our Dear Delijah for this. <laughs> this is this is good. So the Dear Delijah section is a section where the listeners, you guys can write in and ask questions for the guest on the show. question that someone had was to Lena, how do you juggle your time because you wear so many hats and how have you made the time to do all of the things that you do and still be great? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's a great question. So one is that I 
prioritize my time, mm. right? Um, so I'm not doing all things all the time. Right. So I privilege some things mm-hmm. um, that are most important to me. So, for example, you know, um, it's May, so um, I won't be teaching over the summer. Right. So I allow myself to have a break until September when I can focus on other things. Okay. I'm currently actually not seeing any private patients and any private clients okay. at this point in time because I'm doing other things. Right. And I also work full time. Right. I make sure that I can fit it all in, but I also make sure that I take care of myself. Yes. Because my own mental health um, right. cannot be put at risk. Right. Um, because I'm overwhelmed. So. Yes. True. I have a question for you. Yeah. Does the therapist have a therapist? Oh my gosh! Absolutely, <laughs> the therapist has a therapist, right? And I love that question because I surround myself with incredible clinicians. Okay. So periodically I go into therapy when I feel like I need it. Right. But I also have a clinical supervisor, um, which allows me to have support um, for the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And I see her once every two weeks. So we're able to touch base. Okay. Um, And in between that time, and we see each other, you know, in person. And between that time, I can either text her or call her. Nice. And then I have other incredible uh, black mental health clinicians and clinicians of color um, that get together. The list um, that you gave me. Yes, the list that I gave you, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but I make sure that I have a whole team. So right. I work with black uh, psychiatrists and black psychologists mm. or um, psychologists who are Latina to make sure that, um, you know, we're checking in with one another and right. that we're also being culturally appropriate in the services that we provide. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And then you just need a, a team, right? Right. So I have the privilege also of sitting on the Brothers Sisters Thrive Committee mm-hmm. um, as part of the, the mental health work group there. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we provide, um, you know, various events throughout the city and we get to come together as a collective. Got so it. we have the support of one another as well. Nice, yeah. nice. That's good. Yes. So what would you say to, this is another question that came in. What would you say to the person that thinks, this is a joke. Like mental health, it's it's not a thing. I can I can smoke it away. I can sleep it away. I can eat it away. I can be strong enough it away, and it will go away. What do you say to that person? I would say that eventually, the things that you're having difficulty with will manifest in other areas of your life. Mm. Right. So it will never really go away. Right. But you will continue to have some chronic issues in in, in particular areas. Yes. Um, And until you're ready to give yourself permission to try something new and to try to understand yourself in a different way. Right. um, In a reflective way. um, And to just to give yourself an opportunity to find new mechanisms of coping. Yes. Right. Um, And then you owe it to yourself. So I would ask the question to the person, why not? That part. Why not? Right. Because why not? You've tried everything else Mm -hmm. and it hasn't worked. Right. So why not try this? Yes. So another thing is that people are always so concerned about is therapy is so expensive and it's an investment. How, what would you say to the person that is like, you know, this is expensive, which side note, a lot of therapists will work with you on a sliding scale. Okay. Just throwing that out there. Well, that was definitely part of how I was going to answer the question. Yes. Right? Um, so every therapist takes uh, a number of clients on a sliding scale. Yes. Um, that's part one. Part two is if you have health insurance, right, right, you can seek to see someone in network, yes. right, and that way it'll either be free, or you'll just have a small copay, which is usually anywhere between ten to twenty five dollars, right, 
right? I haven't seen a I haven't seen a copay over that. Yes. Um, right. And if you don't have health insurance, again, sliding scale fee is an option. And then there are also some places where you can get some free counseling. Yes. It may not be long term, right? But it'll be perhaps some crisis intervention or some short term treatment and a foot in the door. Correct. Yes. Um, that can connect you with other places. Yes. 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 Um, and then the other thing that I tell folks is that you know there are other ways in which to um, get support, right? So there are support groups out there for various things that you can go to for free. Um, You can also, you know, a lot of my clients that I treat, um, I also help them or ask them to incorporate exercise Mm. in some way, shape or form into their regimen. So those are some of the ways in which I think folks can have, can get access. Right. And it's amazing too what exercise can do because the mental, the mental weight of things will eventually manifest itself as physical. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, I keep getting headaches. Oh, I have back pain. It's like, it's, it's not just the back pain that this came from. This is all, you know, it all starts kind of not in the mind, but it does kind of start in the mind and, and where, what you decide to do with it can play a huge impact on what happens to your health and what happens to your physical. So that's right. exercise is, is very important for yeah. it too. Yes. And I just wanted to, you know, add one more thing that, um, you know, with technology, we have an influx of options. Um, mm. So using apps like Talkspace or, oh, what is this? or Attune, oh. um, which is also an app. Shout out to Two Elephants in a Room, my girl Alicia Cobb. <laughs> But those are, you know, ways that you can find um, mental health clinicians. Oh, um, to nice. Work with you, right? So it's so, apps. Apps. Say them again. Apps. Um, so Talkspace, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can talk to a therapist via text. Wow. Um, and then on a tune, and there's more than one. That's just the one that comes to mind. And then there's a tune um, where you can actually search for clinicians of color. Uh. Um, and um, yeah, so there, we're out here, right? Um, so there's also the Association of Black Social Workers. Right. Which there's a, um, a chapter right in Harlem. And, as well as the uh, Association of Black Psychologists and Psychiatrists. So yes. we're out here. Yes. And how would you tell someone to, and I, I'm, I personally know this, is just like, how, well, how do I find a good therapist? Uh, because for me, it took me going to three different ones mm-hmm. before I found one that really fit me. And, you know, so it's, it's definitely like, Shop around. What would, what would you say to someone? So my motto is a therapist. Finding a good therapist is like finding a good pair of shoes, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Honestly, I like that. Right? Yes. So you may have to try on a try a few pair, right? Or try a few therapists before you find the the best fit. For yes, you, you might right? even take a pair home and be like, nope, these just don't fit right. Yes, right. and take them back. Nice. Yeah, that's so true. Right. There was. Yeah, I definitely went through my. My phases mm-hmm. of different therapists. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand that. Well, Lena, this takes us into our, I'm going to sing it. Don't laugh at my singing. Okay. A boom, ba-doom, boom, ba-doom, boom. It's the get em goals. It's the get em goals. Hey, hey, it's the get em goals. <laughs> so our get em goals on the show is every week the guest on the show gives you guys, the listeners, a goal to follow for the rest of the week. And hopefully that get them goal can turn to a goal that you follow for maybe the month. And then eventually it will turn into a lifestyle goal or a lifestyle change that you have kind of implemented for them. So Lena, what is your get them goal for everyone today? I would say my get them goal would be to take time to put yourself first. Mm. Right. So whether that's uh, 10 minutes or 15 minutes at the start of the day during lunch, um, Figure it out, but take some time to put yourself first. Yes, it's so important. God, that's good. I started doing that, and it's just, it's changed my life. Yeah. 
makes the difference. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Cool. Well, Lena, thank you so much for being thank on the show. Thank you for having yes, me. Yes, I was so excited about this episode, and I was like, this needs to happen. It's Mental Health Awareness Month. Lena is amazing. Sorry, Dr. Green is amazing. <laughs> and I'm so excited for everything that you have done, everything that you've created, all of the programs that you're doing. You wear so many different hats and you are like kicking ass in all of them. So it's just been awesome to watch your growth and watch you just develop into this amazing, phenomenal oh, woman. So it's, much. yeah, it just means the world to me to have you on the episode. So can you tell everyone where to find you? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. That's Dr. Lena, L-E-N-A, green like the color. Yes. Well, so that is Dr. Lena Green, you guys. And stay tuned for our next episode uh, next week. We will be in Bermuda. And on the show, we will have uh, Black Girl Pole Ambassador Amy Henderson, Ambassador Alicia Archer, and our first male on the show oh my goodness mr bentley rebel so he will be on the show as well and we will all just be chit-chatting and shooting the shit with you guys about being in bermuda about being pole dancers so if you guys have questions for any of them don't be afraid to send us an email at blackgirlfitfilepodcast at gmail.com and until then you guys be courageous be sexy and be strong talk to you later bye you can say bye Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening.